All right, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks this morning. Uh, We thank you for life. We thank you for friends and family, for church. We thank you for your spirit and your son and your word. And we pray today that all of those things would come together to minister to us, that we might be encouraged and helped, informed and motivated, uh, so that we might go forth and live for you. And we pray your blessing in particular as we continue to talk about raising our children. Uh, Grant us insight and wisdom with this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My plan is to continue through the end of May with this series, so I think that's uh, a couple more weeks, maybe two or or three more weeks uh, after this. So last week we talked about worship, and we were uh, talking mainly about family worship and what that looks like, what we do at the house And today I want to talk about training children, and this is going to be primarily younger children, of course, uh, for the public worship or corporate worship. And so sometimes, and I mentioned this last week, and it's understandable that, uh, and I was in, grew up in a large church where there was a nursery and children didn't come into the worship service. They were uh, in the nursery, and thankfully I was in a church where at least in the nursery, it was more than babysitting. They were teaching the Bible and teaching. It was like a little Sunday school class, even for the very little children. So there was something very productive going on, but there was a separation. And I would, and I made the case last week uh, that I think biblically the, the more sound approach is to have our children with us. But that poses problems uh, because it involves children. And probably more importantly, it involves us. Uh, that we have, we need to do things and we're not always good at it or we don't know what to do or we fail to do what we know to do. There's all kinds of reasons that can be more difficult. But even under the best of circumstances, uh, when you're taking anyone, in this case a, a little one who's not done something before, and you're putting them in an environment uh, and, and we're trying to teach them and train them how to act, what to do, how to do it, that takes time. But it also takes a plan. We need to know what are the objectives here. Is the, if the objective is simply can we get them to sit here and be quiet for an hour and a half, uh, that's one part of the objective, but it's got to be more than that. There, there are ways to uh, teach children to be quiet and, and at the same time not teach them how to worship. And so the goal, even though it's going to look different, obviously, with an 18-month-old uh, or an infant all the way up to toddlers and then beyond, so it's going to be a process. It's going to, sometimes we're working on one feature, uh, like sitting still. Uh, that one would be an important one to learn, but we don't want to stop there, and that's not the end game. So when children are brought into the corporate worship service, it's essential that, again, parents be conscious of the fact that it's not enough just that they're present, uh, but that they must also be trained in the proper way to worship. And and this is more than just, there, there are a lot of things going on. We're going to learn how to love our neighbor, uh, so that's part of why we learn to be quiet and sit still and those kinds of things. But also, obviously, we're after their hearts. We want them to learn to be engaged in worship. And I have to say, over the, all the years of pastoring, I see you know some families that do really well, and others, even all the way when the kids are teenagers, which tells me that they never really learn this, 
the entire worship service, they're somewhere else. They may, they've learned to sit here. They've learned to be quiet. They've learned not to disrupt too much. But I look up, and, and they're looking down, or they're talking to each other, or they're, they're at a very serious point in a sermon. They're, they're being silly because they have, they're not, they've, they've completely tuned out. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, there's, well, in, in psychology, they talk about uh, pseudo-listening. Okay, you can sit there, you know, you know when somebody's sound asleep or they're looking out the window, that one's obvious, but people can actually, you know, be trained on you and looking right at you and they're completely somewhere else. That's pseudo listening. Every teacher has seen that, right? And there's also a term that uh, Ben House told me about years ago. Uh, it was a term that was called being ass-eared. Uh, uh, as in a jackass, um, because if you have a mule or a jackass, you can play classical music for them, and their ears will perk up, and they'll look at, you know, look toward the where the sound's coming from, and uh, so sometimes we're ass-eared. Um, we can give that sense of being engaged when we're not, but we want to really be aware of that, parents. Again, the goal isn't just well-behaved children, but worshiping children. That's a different. Those are two different things. That they, there's some overlap. Children should be taught to sit still and be quiet out of respect for their parents and love for their neighbors. And they should also learn that the reason for this is to honor God and that we are in the process of worshiping God. He is our focus. So parents likewise have an obligation toward the other worshipers uh, and toward God himself to not allow their children to be uh, distracting everyone else. Now, there's always going to be some distractions. I always like to say, we like to hear infant sounds and children. That's a sign of life in a church. But we don't want to hear it so much that we can't worship ourselves or the person in front of you or behind you or around you is distracted. Um, so, um, parents again have that obligation. So no crawling under the chairs, kicking the seat in front of them. By the way, pet peeve. Uh, and now I'll go to picking on my family that's sitting over here because that's the row I sit on. Those kneelers are not footrest. And when you're tapping, what? Well, if if you can do it and be, if you can do it for a good reason, but not be tapping your foot on the seat in front of you. You don't realize it, but you're, you're, you're affecting the whole row. And, and you don't realize it. You're doing it, and you don't mean to do it. But being aware that your behavior and the things you do, rustling papers, uh, those kinds of things, can be a significant distraction. Um, so it's your responsibility. Okay, uh, crinkling, I said, turning around, uh, you know, crawling under the chairs, crinkling paper, uh, Talking and crying, those things can can become major distractions. It's the parent's responsibility to teach. Remember, that's with your words, explanations, uh, but also with discipline. Um, maintaining control of your children in a worship service. And I want to emphasize, if you're doing this at home, in fact, I would suggest you can't do this here if you're not doing it at home. If you're just showing up on Sunday morning for an hour and a half, 
it's going to take you about 10 years to teach them to do this. But if you're doing it every day at your house, it'll take maybe a few months. And we'll say more about how to do that. It has to be a self-conscious effort. But if you're waiting till you get here, I'll say, let me, let me chase another rabbit. Grown-ups, that's true of everything we do at church. If all you get is what we do here on Sunday morning and the sermon is your entire Bible in, input for the week, and this is the time you pray is when you're here on Sunday morning and you don't pray the other times and you don't sing at other times and you don't engage, if you don't confess sin at other times, if you don't, if this is it, you're not getting enough. You're like that little kid that's just trying to learn to worship uh, on the hour and a half on Sunday morning but not getting it any other time. And, and the effects are the same. Uh, so the goal is to train the child to exercise self-control, self-government, and learn how to worship. So parents must clearly establish the rules of behavior for their children as well as helping them understand the reasons why they are in the worship service. Now, obviously, again, that's different when there are two uh, or ten. Uh, so age-appropriate, but there should, all, there should be ongoing uh, occasional discussion about that. Um, and, and you're going to help them do that. You're going to ask them questions. What did you learn in the sermon today? Which was your, what was your favorite hymn? Um, you know, I noticed when we were praying that you were, uh, you, your eyes, you know, I'm the parent, I get to open my eyes uh, uh, and see if yours are closed or if you're doing things you're not supposed to be doing. So again, there's an opportunity for correction. There's a, we want this to be positive engagement. Uh, so parents, you clearly establish the rules of behavior and help them understand. During the training process, children will inevitably uh, cross the lines and need further teaching, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And again, I mentioned that congregation should rejoice over hearing infant sounds in our midst, but one of the sounds they should rejoice over hearing are the sounds of discipline. Um a correction, a word, um, a child being quietly corrected by father or mother, even the occasional sound of crying as they're being led out of the sanctuary for a more intense form of reproof. So leaving ought not be a reward. Uh, leaving ought to, if, if you're taking your child out, there should be some consternation on their part. This is not going to be something I'm going to look forward to or want to do again. Uh, so, uh, again, you get more of what you pay for. So if a child misbehaves, you take them out, and they get to go sit in the foyer and play, uh, then guess what's going to happen next week? You're going to be out there playing. But if you go out and you get corrected, uh, and either verbally or with a... Uh, a uh, rod of discipline, and then you're brought back in, uh, that's gonna, you're going to get less of that. We don't want to do that. So toddlers, uh, uh, let's see, let me back up. Uh, so parents with very young infants and those with children in the process of being trained should generally sit near an exit and be prepared to quietly exit the sanctuary 
if their child begins to cry or otherwise become distracting to others. Uh, The occasional whimper or coo is normal and usually doesn't require much more than being picked up or rocked or patted on the back. We're not saying, you know, I have seen on one hand parents who are just like one little peep and we're out of here. That's not training either. You know, you want to learn to be able to manage that while you're still in here. But then you have to use your judgment. Okay, this has gone on. Or you know your child. You know, okay, this is not just going to be for a few seconds. This is escalating. We're headed toward a crescendo. And uh, we want the crescendo to happen out there, not in here, if possible. Um, Toddlers pose a different challenge for parents. Um, Oh, excuse me. Um, So if your child fails... Uh, If you fail to quiet the child, parents should, out of courtesy and respect to others for worship, take their children out of the assembly until they have been quieted, and not just to the back of the room. Um, It's um, the uh, it's like going used to when you went to a restaurant and they had you know ask you if you wanted smoking or non-smoking section in the restaurant. Uh, That uh, didn't help much, did it? Toddlers pose a different challenge. They should have been trained at this point to understand what the word no means or be quiet. And and they should be expected to sit through the service quietly. Why? You've taught them that at home. Start with 10 minutes with your family worship. For the next 10 minutes, you're not going to crawl on the back of the sofa. You're not going to lay down and go to sleep. You're not going to be kicking your sister. You're not going to crawl under the sofa. You're going to sit right here. And we're going to do this for 10 minutes. And if you don't, you're going to be corrected. And we're going to gradually increase that time. And again, it's different with different children. Uh, Sometimes you realize I've got a grumpy child uh, that should have been in bed 30 minutes ago, and we we don't want to skip uh, our time with them, so I'm going to shorten it tonight. Instead of 10 minutes, we're going to do three minutes. That's okay. Use good judgment. know, Know the frame of your child. But then the goal, though, is to, to stretch this a bit. Um, and I want to get some input from you. You may have specific things that have worked well in your family um, that would be helpful to others. So they should know what no means. Failure to do so, uh, to uh, sit quietly, should be treated like any other willful disobedience, uh, which is a sin, and the appropriate discipline should be enforced. We all understand that they're little children, but remember our responsibility is to bring them to maturity, to bring them to, uh, to, to train them what, uh, what is expected, and to expect and insist that they obey. That's our job. Um, if a child is cranky because he or she's been sick or cutting teeth or has some other legitimate reason for not feeling well, then perhaps... They're not equipped to be present in the congregation that day. So use good, sound judgment. However, even tired or sick children should not be allowed to sin uh, any more than you should be allowed to sin when you don't feel well. So remember, that's the goal. We're always keeping in mind what, what are we going to expect of them as adults. Obviously, when they're children, they're not trained yet. And so we're going to have grace and kindness and patience but that doesn't mean we're just going to let it go. That would not be really being kind. That's not good for our children, right? 
Some practical suggestions for the parents of toddlers. Be sure you've made the rules of behavior clear to your children concerning what's expected of them during the worship service. You can do that, obviously, when you're doing your family worship, but another great time to do that is in the car on the way to church. Okay, we're going to worship today. What do we do? And you have, like, you know, four things that we do. And so you tell them, no talking, making other noises, wiggling, rustling papers, or turning around in your seat. Okay? And you teach them to give that back to you. What are we going to do today? We're going to sit still, and we're going to listen, and we're not going to turn around, and we're not going to make noise. Um, Teach them what worship is for, using terms appropriate for their age. Have practice for public. You tell them, we're going to practice. You know, every Sunday we go to church and worship, and today we're going to practice, like choir practice. And during your, uh, teach them to be quiet when the Bible's read, to listen to the preacher, to sing psalms and hymns. Uh, and so having that regularly at your home, uh, very quickly you will not have very many problems here at the worship service. Parents know what their children's needs are. Just like God knows our needs and he moves to meet our needs before we ask or think. Uh, that's that's what you should do as much as possible. Some kids need to burn off a little energy, uh, maybe between Sunday school and church. Uh, let them go do some running and playing. Others do better uh, if you say, no, they get all wound up, and then they can't wind them back down for worship. So we're going to handle this one differently. In either case, parents are responsible to help their children to get prepared for worship, And children, remember, children, you have the duty to obey your parents and conduct yourselves in a respectful manner. Um, All right, now it starts getting personal. Um, Take them to the restroom between Sunday school and church. Take them to the restroom before Sunday school. Most children, most adults, should be able to hold their bladder for 45 minutes or an hour and a half. Not every... Look. Everybody has been in a situation where you needed to go. That's understandable. But if it's every week, about 30 minutes in, I need to go to the bathroom. And you send them and they go and they come back. I can guarantee, if that's happening more than once every couple of months, there's something going on other than going to the bathroom. What they've learned is if I say that, I get sent out, and I get to go. I, I had an occasion some years ago, many years ago, probably 30-something years ago, and for whatever reason, I was, uh, I think we were actually, it may have been a Wednesday night, and I count, this was at the Reformed Baptist Church I was pastoring, and I stood at the back and started out, you know, one kid goes to the bathroom, this is 30 minutes in, uh, pretty soon another one. One family who had six kids, and Anna, I'm not mentioning any names, but um, um, six of the kids got up to go to the bathroom. Like one right after the other. Twenty-seven children got up during about a 45-minute deal to go to the bathroom. And I was watching the parents. Parents are all engaged in what's going on at the front. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I started watching to see what the kids were doing out in the foyer where the bathroom was. And most of them weren't going to the bathroom. They were playing in the water fountain. They were playing with each other. I even walked into the boys' bathroom 
and I, I gave one kid a, a, an opportunity to go in for a few minutes, and then I walked in, and there wasn't any bathroom, bathroom being used. It was just, hey, need to get out of jail. Um, be free for a little bit and then go back in. So, obviously, sometimes kids need to go to the bathroom. Use your judgment. I have a suggestion for that. Um, and uh, I looked at Rachel. She knows this. So, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. Nope, you can wait. If they really need to go, about five minutes, I need to go to the bathroom. No, you can wait. And they start fidgeting and breaking out in a sweat, and I'm, I'm joking. About that. <laughs> uh, then you can say, all right, you can go, but this better not happen next week. They go, come back, we talk on the way home. Okay, did you go to the bathroom before church started? No, I forgot. Okay, you better not forget this week, because if you forget this week, then there's going to be some discipline involved. Your job is to remember to take care of that between the services. So, you know, I don't want to make too big a deal out of this, but I had to stop and kind of jump up and down on that a little bit, because otherwise it's just like no big deal. Um, and it is a deal because it is disruptive. And what, what we don't see is we see our little microcosm of where we're sitting, but we don't realize this is going on sometimes all over the congregation in a period of an hour and a half if we have a dozen people get up and leave and back in. And we, everything from the footsteps to the doors opening and closing or just the movement is disruptive. So we're trying to just make an effort. Now, that said, today, during worship, if you need to leave, leave. Okay? Just be sure you need to. That's all I'm saying is. Everybody needs to sometimes. And I don't want to be in judgment about that, and you shouldn't be either. My assumption is if you, if you need to go, you're, you're going because you need to. But... Help your children not turn that into a habit. And you help them by teaching them, training them, and disciplining them when need be so that they learn that. Uh, your child, if your child breaks your rules during, keep your rules simple. We're not talking about 15 rules here. We're talking about three or four. If your child breaks your rules during the worship service and a minor correction does not bring about conformity, then take your child out, discipline them, and bring them back in. And discipline is a range of things. We've already talked about that. Um, Simply taking them out of the worship service or taking them to the nursery without discipline will not work. They simply learn that their bad behavior enables them to manipulate their parents. Have you ever been manipulated, parents? Um, they're professionals, aren't they? Um, when parents consistently teach their children that they mean what they say and will consistently discipline them for it when they don't, they will be more inclined to heed that whispered correction during the worship service. My mother uh, knew how to pinch my leg uh, and while she was pinching it, she was whispering in my ear, you better not make a sound. Um, I called it the atomic twist. Um, it worked. 
I told that to Ben House once. He said, my mother did that too. I said, they'd never talked to each other, but somehow they figured that out. Um, parents, you should keep in mind that toddler worship is going to look different than adult worship, so that's okay. They may hold the hymn book upside down or say amen at the wrong place. Or uh, Moreover, this will vary from child to child. They're not going to all learn in the same way or at the same pace. And the important thing is that they are learning to worship. Little children should be part of the corporate worship. They're ready to participate with the congregation as soon as parents assume the responsibility to teach, to train, to discipline their children for worship. Certainly there are exceptions when it's either unwise or inappropriate for young children to be present in a particular meeting. Uh, in such cases, while parents are still responsible for the care of their children, I think there's a time and a place for a nursery, a time and a place for us to assist people. We may have people, visitors come in who have children who are not uh, disciplined at all and very disruptive. And I'm always happy when I see some of our ladies get up and offer to help in those situations. Or a new family that's you know, trying to train five kids at once. And it's going to be a little while and be a process. Of course, we want to be full of love and grace and service and kindness and, did I say patience and long-suffering, all of us in that regard. Um, um, when parents take seriously their responsibility to do this, to train their children to participate in worship, respecting the others present, then their little ones will very soon become a delight to other people, especially a delight to the Lord. Um, likewise, the, the patience, prayers, and help given to parents and children by the rest of the congregation will facilitate the preparation of covenant children for uh, worship. And so this labor is well worth all the efforts uh, for another generation as, the, as these children are equipped to faithfully serve and worship our glorious Lord. So let me solicit input from you and how, you know, training children, either things that work for you, things that didn't work for you, funny or embarrassing stories about your children are always welcome, uh, or recommendations, maybe a book you've read or uh, advice you've been given by someone else, any of that. Yes, ma'am. one of the balances it's hard to maintain, and this is true with all discipline, we sometimes do. I want well-behaved children. You're going to sit there and you're going to be quiet. Do you understand me? Because I'm really, what I'm worried about is me or what everybody else is going to think of me or my children. And what I'm just now taught my child is worship is something you should dread. Because you're going to really make me angry if you don't do this right. 
because this is about me and you're making me mad. And that kind of heart and attitude produces the opposite in children regarding worship. If worship is the, the place where I get in trouble every week, okay, we're coming alongside our children who are sinners, who are children, and we're helping them come along. That, that will involve some tears, that will involve some correction, and even some stern correction from time to time. I'm just cautioning you not to go the other direction because it will be counterproductive. Somebody else? Yes, Tim. A little louder. Okay, very good. Help somebody else. Yes, Robin. Uh, and we've learned some of this from Nathan, and I think it's been helpful in his Sunday school classes where you ask them, you know, maybe there's you know, something in the sermon in particular that you could ask them to draw. A couple of things on that, rustling papers, dropping pencils, some of that you can't avoid, but a lot of it you can. Uh, so be mindful of that. A, a whole row of children with pencil and paper can be distracting. So you want to teach them how to use that in a way that's not... Uh, too much. Yes. Well, just let me get Christy and then I'll get. I think the expectations is very powerful. If this is what's expected and enforced, then that's just what we do. And you think about it, you do that with lots of things, hopefully. Brushing your teeth or going to bed or sitting at the dinner table. That's, that's the whole process of training and discipline is establishing, here's what's expected, here's how to do it, correcting when it's not, uh, and doing it in as joyful a way as possible. Yeah, Aaron? Okay. 
Yes. We, we found that uh, the younger ones, less than a year old, can't stay away from their normal surface. So I would work with them at home, sitting in my lap or next to me on the couch, where they would have to learn to fall asleep quietly. And if they could fall asleep quietly, then I'd like lay down the chair on the cube, and, and that was that was fine. As they got older, they were expected to stay awake. But learning to fall asleep quietly is helpful in any number of situations. Now, so you got to be careful. Yeah, well, so you got to be careful. Arlen did this. She played tapes of my teaching and sermons during her children's nap time. And they all, and now when they hear me, they all just fall asleep. You're always teaching something. <laughs> but it was a positive thing, right? Uh, what else? This is helpful. Yes? The drawing control distraction thing. We've been through a lot of that. One thing I found is that's really helpful is to limit the drawing to during the sermon because mostly because it saves parental frustration of, you know, standing up to say, and the kids got to, you got to put your pen down and your paper and then get your book and then stand up and then by the time you get all that done, it's time to sit back down. Get all your so, equipment back out. Yeah, and so I, and it doesn't take long to say, no, you can draw a the sermon, but everything else, you know, they can There's a lot of movement going on. Yeah, that's good. Another thing Yeah, I need the magenta crayon. <laughs> yes. And I've gotten some very nice gifts of drawings from children uh, related to the sermon and of myself. Um, I particularly like it when I'm a stick figure. Um, Robin? Just some explanation and and expectations are being set out. Here's what... Sometimes people don't do the right thing because they don't know what they're supposed to do. And they're not... They don't know how to... They don't know how to interpret what's going on up here. And so you're going to interpret it for them. Uh, And and that's really helpful. Um, What else? Like, uh, how much, how much, when you were talking about uh, teaching them to and how to worship, the difference between that, like, how much, like, like you used to say, you know, like, knowing how to worship and knowing to worship both. Right. Well, when I talk about how, when we talk about, some of it is structure, going back with Steve Jeffrey's lectures that the men had here a couple of weeks ago, we want to provide structure. Structure is here's what we do. When we have the call to worship, 
We hear the bells ringing. We go sit down. That means it's time to start. You should have already been to the bathroom. Um, now we're going to get ready to worship, and then you're teaching them the liturgy. Here's, you see those little dots on the order of worship? That's when we stand up. And then we're going to kneel here, and we're going to raise our hands here. And you're going to teach them the mechanics of what their bodies should be doing, and that fits with what Robin and Kathy were saying at different times. And don't you love it when the little ones are lifting their hands and saying amen slightly uh, at the wrong place? But they're trying, right? They're not quite there, but they're they're learning the rhythms. But then obviously the you could do all the you could have a substance you could have form without substance, right? So but the form is there to teach the substance. If all you do is say raise your hands here and kneel here and sit here. You can learn all the form, but you still haven't worshipped. So that's when you're in the car or at home, you say, why do we raise our hands? Why are we raising our hands when we sing the doxology? Praise God. What are we, why are we using our bodies that way? Why do we kneel when we confess our sins? Why do we sit or stand? And why do we listen? What are we listening for? Why do we have a sermon? We're going to learn about God. We're going to learn about ourselves. We're going to learn what God wants us to do or what he wants us to know. So you're, you're taking, and you can take our little booklet we have back there that we hand out to folks about uh, a guide to our worship and even take that yourself and remind yourself that every element of the worship is there for a reason and, um, and why it's important for you to be part of this. You're part of the family of God. You're, you're a child of God. You're baptized. And so this is something we do. Just like at our house, when our family does things together, we sit at the table together, or we sit in the living room, or we play a game together as a family. So when we go to church, that's our big family. And there we do these things together as a family. So those are ways to help bring them into this. Got a couple more minutes. Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead, Jake. On a seat, on a seat. <laughs> as long as you're sitting in your seat, that can't happen, right? Yeah, you want it to be a binary choice. Yeah, yeah, you don't. Well, the next couple of weeks, I'm going to teach uh, for the rest of May on training teenagers. Uh, but obviously, every family that comes in, we were talking, Roy and I were talking about this the other day, if, you know, families 
come in all kinds of shapes and sizes when they come to the church. Some have been in church, some haven't. They've been in different kinds of churches. Some have thought about these things. Some have never thought about these things. Uh, so I think you just, as a pastor, elders, we have to look at each situation and say, you know, sometimes, what's always helpful, whether it's formally and publicly or privately, is to get instruction. Some, again, oftentimes people hadn't thought. Sometimes it's a matter of giving something like our little booklet on a guide to our worship and say, why don't you read through this and see if you have any questions. So a lot of this material on children and worship is in that little booklet. So everything, most of what I've said is written down. So that's helpful. Um, so, uh, and then always soliciting questions or uh, and I'd say to you, if you're having issues or a particular problem with a particular child or you're not sure, you know, how do I do this or we've tried that and that didn't work, you know, talk to me, talk to uh, others. Don't just let it go, okay? But again, be patient. You know, these things don't happen overnight. Training is a process. There are setbacks, two steps forward, one step. Hey, for three weeks it went great and then today it all fell apart again. Uh, well, that's life, right? And so we're going to back up and try again. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the church. We thank you for our families. We thank you for our children. Help us to love them and train them to worship you, uh, not just physically, uh, but from the heart. May they see us worshiping. May they see us paying attention and engaged and singing, and praying, and paying attention, and not distracting others. May they see that in us, uh, so that they might emulate us in this. Bless us now as we prepare for worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.